You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. So good to be with you guys today. Uh, We're starting out a brand new series this morning, Inside Out. Uh, We're going to be walking through the book of James this morning. It's going to be a nine-week series in which we are challenged to really walk out our faith. Uh, We'll be starting this morning in James chapter 1, verse 1. And as you're turning there, I just want to share something with you really quick. Uh, Our life group start this week. Uh, our Haywood group will be meeting Wednesday night, and our Cornerstone Creek group will be meeting Thursday night. And although you're not required to sign up for these groups, uh, you can just come, show up. Signing up does help us get an idea of, of child care. Uh, most importantly, though, it helps us get an idea of how many people are coming for the snacks and the food, uh, which is my favorite part. You can go to our website at impactharlem.org and sign up if you're interested. But again, even if you don't sign up, I just want to encourage you to join a group uh, it'll be one of the best decisions you make all year. So y'all ready to dive into James? Let's go. James 1, 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning just thanking you for your amazing grace. God, thank you for loving us. I pray that through your spirit, you speak to hearts and minds this morning. God, I pray that you move me out of the way. God, that every word that is spoken this morning comes directly through you. God, again, help us to to be attentive. God, I pray that we leave this place different than we came in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So because this is the opening verse in James, I want to open up our series with just a few quick points. Uh, I don't want to take you to seminary and uh, get too theological with you this morning, but I do want to share these points because I think that these points are Good points to keep in mind as we go through this entire series. So number one is this. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And you say, what? how did Jesus have a half-brother? So this is how it worked. James was the son of Mary and Joseph. And Jesus was the son of Mary and the son of God. So they had the same mom, different dads, making them half-brothers. Number two is this. He calls himself a servant. The word used for servant in this verse is doulos which means slave or being under someone's ownership. So this is important to understand because although James was related to Jesus, he was his half-brother, he still considered himself under the lordship of Christ, which we see in the very next portion of this verse. It says, God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James uses the term Lord, which translates to the owner of a doulos. Therefore, James is declaring that he is a follower of, of Jesus. And not only that, but he's declaring that his life is not his own. It belongs to the Savior. The fourth point here I want us to see is that uh, it was written to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So James wrote this to the Jews who were no longer in the land of promise. They had been scattered, dispersed due to multiple reasons. But the main reason was because of the persecution of their faith for being believers. So that's a brief opening to the book of James. Now, those are some important points to keep in mind over the next nine weeks as we dig deep into this book. So James wrote this book to Christ followers who are being persecuted and going through many different trials and struggles. Now, 
if you haven't made the decision to follow Christ, I don't want you to check out on me yet because the book of James, what it does for the believer is it helps us to, to have a deeper dependency on God. And I believe that for the ones that aren't following Christ yet, it still points us to a dependency on God. So, so don't check out. Although James did write this book to Christians, to Christ followers, it could be useful and helpful for everyone in this room. Uh, the writing of James isn't as theological in nature as it is practical and relevant for believers to live out their faith. So James references, at least in similarity, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount at least 15 times. So with all that intro, the, the brief history of James in mind, let's jump right in. Verses 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So right off the bat, James seems a little wacko. He said, what? To count it all joy when we go through trials? Like, who does who does he think he is? Is, is he crazy? Is he insane? So what I want you to see this morning is that James never says to be happy when we go through trials. He says to count it joy. Peter taught this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9, through 9, we see it. He says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with the glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Two quick things I want to point out from James is number one, having joy does not mean being happy. Being happy is an emotion. Being joyful is a condition. So let's break this down just a little bit. Emotions come and go depending on situations and circumstances that we're in in life. The condition of joyfulness is because we are following Christ and the inexpressible joy of God has been placed in our hearts. That's the difference. Having joy is a condition of being a Christ follower. Being happy is an emotion that could come and go depending on what we're going through in life. And number two is this. James says, when you meet trials, not if you meet trials. See, it's a definite statement. We're all going to have trials at some point. Maybe for you this morning, you're right in the middle of one of the biggest trials of your life. Maybe you just went through one. Maybe you're about to go through one. The fact of the matter is this. We will meet trials along life's journey. How we respond to those trials is key. And that's what James is writing about here. If we are to consider it joy when we meet trials, how do we make it happen? How do we really get through trials the way a Christ follower should get through trials? That's what I want to share with you this morning. I want us to look at three ways we can count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. And number one is this, radical patience. Radical patience. The word steadfastness in verse 3 is sometimes translated as patience. The Greek word for this is hupomon. Hupomon literally means to remain under. And why is that important for us? Watch this. Human nature is to escape trouble. We see that as parents. 
when our two girls are playing in another room and one starts to cry and daddy walks in and the one that's not crying immediately says, hey dad, I did not hit her in the face, right? She's trying to escape trouble. That's human nature. When we face trials, our initial reaction is to get out. That's understandable, right? Who wants to stay in a situation that is miserable or stressful or painful or uncomfortable? That's not what most people want. Most people want happiness and calm and freedom and comfort. And trust me, I get it. That makes sense in my head. When trials come, run away. But James paints a different picture for us as Christ followers. He says to have radical patience. And I'm afraid we oftentimes miss the opportunity to grow because we allow our selfishness and our emotions to lead us to go. Listen to me this morning. Trials are a pathway for spiritual maturity. God is doing work in the midst of the trial. If we want to have joy in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our chaos, we must practice radical patience. That means we remain under the trials. I'm reminded of the story of Joseph in Scripture and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers. That was a trial. How he was then falsely accused of rape, that was a trial. How he was thrown into prison, another trial. But he remained faithful under every single trial and struggle. And God raised him up as the second most powerful man in Egypt. Now I'm not telling you this morning that God is going to raise you up as the second most powerful person in America. I'm not even telling you that God is going to raise you up in status at all. What I'm saying to you today And what James was saying many, many years ago is that if we truly remain under the trial, there is hope in the hurt. There is freedom in the fear. There is satisfaction in the struggle. There is treasure in the trial. Trials are a pathway for spiritual maturity. Trials are also a pathway for the dependence on the sovereignty of God. If we truly believe God is sovereign, then we better live like we're already saved. But this is usually how it goes in life. When everything is going great and we're on top of the world, we take the credit. But when it seems like everything around us is crashing down, man, that's God's fault. Hear me this morning. If we are really following Jesus, we must believe he is doing something in the trial. We have to depend on his sovereignty. If we don't, we'll never make it. We can't see the other side, but he knows it. He knew we were going to be in this trial before we ever got to the trial. He is doing something to mold us and shape us in the midst of the trial. We have to be dependent on his sovereignty. See, we serve a God who is big, creator God, the God that created all things. But he's also a God that that loves us intimately and personally. Scripture teaches that he knows the number of hairs on our head. And if you're bald, he knows the number of hairs that used to be there. If we are to have unspeakable joy, if we're to count it all joy when we live out trials, then we must live out these trials with radical patience. Let's keep reading. James 1 verses 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. 
But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If we want to count it all joy when we meet various trials, number two is this, radical prayer. So here we see that we were going through a trial when we need wisdom to ask God. But then it says to ask without doubting. So when we aren't sure, we need to ask God, but we can't doubt when we ask. So I don't get it, right? That's that's confusing again. James seems a little crazy, so let's dig into this just a little bit. This is important. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, we see a story of a young boy who was possessed by an evil spirit. His father brings him to the disciples, and they can't cast out the spirit. So daddy comes to Jesus, and I want to read this to you this morning. Mark 9, starting at verse 20. It says, And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, this is, this is the father talking to Jesus. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus' answer is amazing in verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, right? right I'm Jesus. If you can, verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Man, this is, this is something that we have to understand this morning. This is, this is a radical prayer. This father says, I believe. Jesus, I know you can do it. I know you have the power to have compassion and to heal and to get me through this trial and to get me through this struggle. I believe, but help my unbelief. Doubt is starting to come all around me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's, what's going to happen. I'm, I'm so beat down. God, I believe that you can. I know that you can. But man, help my unbelief. Man, that's, that's where we are a lot of times in these trials is that we believe in God. We, we believe that He can do it. We believe that He's working, but it's getting too heavy for us to carry. Man, doubt starting to creep in. He says, I need you. I believe, but it's getting harder and harder and harder. Help my unbelief. And what does Jesus do? Mark 9, verse 25, And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. This is the mustard seed faith. This is it. And this is where a lot of us are in the midst of trials. We have the faith in God. God, I believe in you. I have faith in you, but help my doubt. Help my unbelief. In trials, we will fight the battle of doubt. And maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling terrible because that unbelief, that doubt is creeping in. You need radical prayer. And and you have to yell out to God, God, I believe in you, but help my unbelief. I want to encourage you this morning. The double-minded man James is speaking of is the one who believes in God but doesn't believe God can can prevail in the trial. You have the faith 
inside of you this morning. Live it out. Yes, I know it can get tough. I know it can feel like the fight is too strong. But friend, hear me this morning. Radical prayer works. In 1 John 5, we see this. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Radical prayer works. God, I believe in You, but it's getting hard. Please help my doubting. Help my unbelief. Not only will you fight the battle of doubt in the midst of your trials, but you'll fight the battle of comparison. There was a study done a while ago about the effects of social media. And the overarching result of that study was this. It causes depression. Why? Because as you're going through your trial and your struggle and your brokenness, you get on social media and it looks like his marriage is perfect and her kids are angels and their house is beautiful and everyone has it all together but you. Everyone is receiving blessings you feel like you deserve. It creates resentment and bitterness. And you fight the battle of comparing your frantic struggle with their fake social media accounts. And I want to get real with you this morning. Because I've dealt with this in my life. See, about six years ago, uh, I started planting a church in Augusta. And man, I just I thought that, that it was time... To, to plant a church and we built a team and man, we, we were, we were doing pretty well. And all of a sudden, um, uh, that, that all went away. Uh, my marriage was falling apart. I was a horrible husband, a horrible father. I worked all the time. I was trying to put ministry above family. And what happened was God said, Hey, this is not how it is supposed to work. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to strip this all away from you and you're going to have a season where you're not in ministry at all. And man, I'm telling you that that crushed, crushed me. It crushed my spirit. And I remember sitting back over some weeks and months and, and just looking on social media and seeing this pastor and how amazing his family was and his ministry was and, and this, this guy over here and how God was using him to, to plan a new church and how successful it was and how everything just looked so perfect. And, uh, I just, I want to be open and honest with you this morning. Resentment started to sit in because I started thinking, God, I've, I've been faithful to you all these years. Man, those, those blessings should be my blessings and the Holy Spirit punched me right in the gut. In the middle of that bitterness. And first of all, he showed me that his, his plans and his purpose don't hinge on Dustin. God is doing work and he doesn't need me to be the great and mighty pastor to get his work done. God's work is going to continue whether Dustin is in the picture or not. But man, I, I thought that these blessings should be mine and, and they just weren't. I started comparing myself and I, I never, never thought that I would be in ministry again. There was, there was months, honestly, that I didn't think that that would ever happen. And now six years later, here we are, uh, a brand new church 
God is, is supreme and, and sovereign and God is, is the one building Impact Church. But even more importantly than that, my marriage is stronger than it's ever been. We're in love more than we've ever been. Uh, I'm a father that God's called me to be. And man, he's just, he was working in the midst of the trial. But I want you to understand this morning that comparison is going to be something that you fight. It's going to be something that you deal with in the middle of your trials. Because we see everyone else's fake life on social media and we consider it real. And this morning, I just want to encourage you not to do that. It takes radical prayer to make it through trials with real unspeakable joy. Let's jump down to verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Verses 17 and 18. If every, verse 17 and 18, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If we are to count it all joy when we face various, various trials, we must have radical patience. We must practice radical prayer. And number three is this, we must remember God's radical promise. Remember, trials are a pathway to spiritual maturity. We endure the trials because we know the ending as believers. We know the one who is in control. We see here that every good and perfect gift from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. When we've tasted and seen the love and grace and mercy of God, oh, how sweet and good and perfect. What do those good gifts look like? I, I suspect most of you will leave here today and, and go have lunch. Majority of people in this world will consider the food you're going to eat a luxury. Do you have money in your pocket or bank account? You're blessed. Can you smell, hear, taste? That's good gifts. There are people all around who don't have those same basic senses. Listen, we serve a good, good father. We serve a God who doesn't change. You may think because of how you're dealing with the trial or how you're feeling or what you're thinking causes God to change his mind. Who are we to change God's mind? You think you disgust God? Listen, guys, the disgust and disgrace was covered on the cross. It was paid in full. God doesn't change. There's no variation. He loves you in your jacked up condition and he covered the cost for you and for me. He chose us. He chose to love us. This should excite you this morning. This is the radical promise. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He doesn't look at you in disgust. He looks at you in love. He's not changing. He's not up in heaven looking at the angels saying, hey, did, did we get a return policy for these guys? No, there's no return policy. You were sealed by the love and the blood of Jesus. You have the confidence of a king inside of you. It's time for us to live it out. It's a radical promise from God. I want to close this morning, which is a story of, of one of my girls. I have a beautiful, strong-willed five-year-old, and 
I was just thinking as I was studying this week about a time that I had to take her to the doctor to get a shot. Now, at five years old, what a shot is, is is knowledgeable to them. They understand what it means when you say, hey, we're going to get a shot. They get it. They know a needle is going to be stuck in them somewhere, and they don't like that. So anytime we go to the doctor, that's the first question. Am I getting a shot? Well, I try not to lie to my kids, so, you know, say that possibly you could be getting a shot today. So the screaming starts, and it's like crazy screaming. I don't want a shot. I don't want a shot. You know, snots flinging everywhere. Her back's arched, face is red, just tears going everywhere. And this is at home. We haven't even got in the truck yet to go to the doctor. So we get her in the truck, strapped down uh, as best we could. And I drive her to the doctor. And the whole time she's screaming, Daddy, I don't want a shot. I don't want a shot. We get to the doctor and, and the screaming doesn't stop. It just gets louder and louder because she knows that the shot is closer and closer. And people are looking at me like this, this dad is, is losing it. Like he doesn't have control. And, and it seemed that way to me at times as well that maybe I didn't have control, but I'm holding her and I'm consoling her and I'm loving her and I'm telling her that, you know, it won't last long. The, the shot is really just, it's a quick, pain and then it's done but it's something that she needs for her help so we get back to the the little room where she's going to get the shot and this sweet little nurse comes in and she's talking to my daughter and my daughter's just i don't want a shot i don't want a shot so the nurse is is putting the little alcohol wipe on her leg and she's she's trying to calm her down and my my daughter's just not giving in like i i realized pretty early on that this sweet little nurse is no match for my five-year-old so what I had to do as a father is while I'm listening to my sweet baby girl scream and cry because she doesn't want to feel the pain, I, I know that it's, it's necessary and that it's needed for her health and for her good. So what I have to do is, is walk over to the, to the little bench where she's laying and, and literally put my forearm over her chest to, pretty much pin her down and the the whole time she's she's screaming and she's crying and she's daddy please no I don't want a shot I don't want a shot daddy please no and and I'm and I'm there trying to console her and and tell her that I know you don't want it but but baby you need this it's going to help you it's going to make you healthy it's for your good it's for your benefit i love you so much the pain's not going to last long and i'm just holding her down and and i'm trying to keep it together because as a father you you don't want to see your your kids in pain and and i'm just there holding her down and boom she gets the shot and almost immediately after the crying stops and i just want to i want to tell someone this morning that the trial that you're going through is something that God is using for your good. It's for your spiritual maturity. It's for God to mold you and to shape you into who He wants you to be. Maybe He's taking some things out of your life that will cause harm and destroy you. Or maybe He's adding some things into your life that, that's going to help in the future get to where He's called you to be. Listen, some of you are getting shots 
this morning. And although we don't like the pain, and although we don't want to go through the trial, God is saying, hey, I love you. I know you don't want to go through this, but it's for your good. I'm working all things out for the good of those who love me and are called according to my will and my purpose. Man, this morning, some of you are going through a trial and you just want to run away. And I want to encourage you this morning to have radical patience, to remain under the trial, knowing that trials are a pathway to spiritual maturity. Depend on God. Trials are a pathway to the dependency on the sovereignty of our Savior. And He's working in the middle of your trial. He's working in the midst of your struggle. Some of you may have doubts creeping in. You you really believe that God can do it. You believe that God can can bring you through this trial, but it's starting to get hard and and heavy, and you just don't know what to do. And I and I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm pleading with you this morning to have radical prayer and say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief, help the doubts. God, I just want to completely trust you. And I know that I don't know the plan, but I'm trusting in you. I believe in you. Help my unbelief. Radical patience, radical prayer. And we have to remember the radical promise. That God doesn't change. That God loves you. He's chosen you. You are a Christ follower and He has indwelled your life with the Holy Spirit. You have it inside of you. Man, we must live it out. When we face trials, if we really want to consider it joy, and we have radical patience, radical prayer, and we remember the radical promises of God, we have the confidence of a king inside of us. It's time to live it out. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. Again, thanking you for who you are. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you that you've given us a blueprint of how to handle trials as your followers. And I pray that we remain patient. God, I pray that we have radical prayer. That as we start to feel these doubts and insecurities, God, I just, I pray that we don't, we don't let it discourage us. But God, we cry out to you radically that we believe that you're doing work. Help our unbelief. God, and I pray that we always remember your radical promises to us. That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, that you've sealed us with your love and your blood. God, that you don't change. You've, you've never left us and you never will. That you're working in the midst of our struggles and our trials. God, I pray that as we go into our response time, that you do work that only you can do. Speak to hearts through your spirit. Help people to take their next steps of faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. 
Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.